we're going to continue on tonight in this wonderful series that we started. This is week five. We've talked about some wonderful things. We've talked about the importance of prayer. We spent some time talking about the power of prayer. And then we spent a whole bunch of time talking about fervency in prayer, how to stir yourself up, because it's all about what gets big on the inside of you is what you're going to what, what, what you get fervent about, that's, that's the prayers that are going to be answered. And so tonight, I want to start laying a foundation of how to pray effectively. So a lot of believers, they don't know how to pray effectively. And we're going to lay a foundation, and as the Lord leads us, we'll probably get into all nine different types of prayer, because I want you to really see those in the New Testament. You have to know about them so that, so that they're like tools in your tool chest, because the Holy Spirit, he's the orchestrator of your prayer life. Isn't it amazing that God has designed you and I to be one with him, to walk through life in a constant communing with him, inviting him in, inviting heaven into the affairs of man on this earth. And it's just a wonderful way to live. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to just launch off on a foundational scripture that we've been talking about a lot. It's Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. As you're, as you're going there, it's so important that you learn how to flow with the Holy Spirit. It's so very, very important because we don't have faith events, right? Where we're going through life and then we face something and then we have to get in faith, stay in faith, to obtain a promise. No, we walk by faith. We live by faith. So that means I constantly am living in an intimacy with God where I'm walking with him, where now I'm feeding on the word of God and I'm speaking it for the purpose of getting it down in my heart. I'm not just reading the Bible, I'm renewing my mind to the Bible, right? To learn how to think like God. To where now it's not positive thinking, it's all things are possible thinking, right? So now I'm walking with the Lord and the Holy Spirit, he's taking the word of God and, and as I'm meditating in it, as I'm saying it over and over again, it starts bubbling out of my spirit. And, and what happens now is my, my, my spirit man is now communicating to my mind. And I'm renewing my mind with the Word of God. And the Word of God, it's the only thing that will bring wholeness to your soulish realm, to your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's the only thing. If you're going through a hard time right now and your emotions get fired up, what happens is they get twisted. And instead of motivating you to run hard after God and pursue Him, your emotions you know, coming through the, the vehicle of your flesh will try to start leading you. And, you. and what they'll do is you'll start being led by what you see and what you feel and, and all this other stuff. And now you're on Satan's territory. God never wants a Christian to be led by the outside. So see, I'm meditating in the Word of God day and night. I'm just saying it over and over. Now I'm renewing my mind to it. What's happening is I'm walking in a constant revelation of who he is. I'm seeing things inwardly. God's speaking to me. So as I'm reading the word, I hear his voice. 
And then as the Holy Spirit starts speaking to me about the word, it's the same voice. So I'm literally hearing the voice of God all the time to the point that I know his voice and another voice I don't follow. And now what happens is the Holy Spirit, he's down on the inside of me and he's teaching me how to cultivate trust in God. I was talking to the men about this a little bit Tuesday morning. And, and what happens is I'm getting to the place to where all my trust is in him. I'm not moved by outward things anymore. I'm not fulfilled by outward things. I'm fulfilled by inward things. I'm not looking for people to fulfill me or money or success, as the world would say it. I'm not looking at that at all. My eyes are now fixed on Jesus, who's the author and the developer of my faith. Now my Father is always causing me to triumph. Oh, I'm facing some big things. Oh man, my flesh will get riled up, but I'm getting strong in spirit and I'm renewing my mind. So we tell the flesh what we're going to think. We tell the flesh what we're going to say and what we're going to do. But in all of that now, I know his voice. And now this is the foundation. If you read Ephesians 6, we went through it already, verse 10 up to verse 18 you see us, you know, allow the whole armor of God to manifest upon you. Well, you learn from Scripture as you study it. That's revelation knowledge of His Word. It's His armor. It's not my armor, it's His armor. So guess who I look like when I'm wearing His armor? Him. Guess who I sound like when I'm speaking? Him. Right? Satan's not afraid of you. Not afraid of, of, of anything that we do. But he doesn't want to mess with God. And we're in Christ, so to mess with us, you got to kind of go through him, right? So in all of this now, I'm ready to pray. This armor prepares me to pray. So here we are, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. What are we talking about? We're talking about how to pray effectively. How to pray effectively. It says, praying always. Isn't that awesome? How often should you pray? Always. Because what is prayer? It's just communing with God. Yes, I have set times that I'll, I'll spend. I, I get away from everything. I shut my phone off and, and, and I pray. But I, have, I, I talk to God all day as I go throughout my day. It makes me more productive in what I do. Right? The Holy Spirit's the greatest time manager in the world. If you're saying, man, I don't have time to get in the Word, or I don't have time to be a viable part of my local church, or anything like that, you're getting off balance, and the Holy Spirit will get you back in the right place. But it says, praying always, what? With all prayer. Now, the Amplified Version brings out the, the Greek meaning of this, praying always with all manner of prayer. There's nine different types of prayer literally outlined in the New Testament. So what do I pray? I, I, I don't know. As I go, what, what is the most important of the nine? The one that you need to be praying right now. Does that make sense? So, so but how do I know what it is? Praying always with all prayer, all manner of prayer and supplication in the Spirit. 
that's a little vague because it's not talking about tongues because you can't pray all manner of prayer in tongues, right? So it's talking about in the spirit, Weymouth's translation really brings it out he, he brings out the Greek where it means praying always with all manner of prayer and supplication stirred or directed by the Spirit. So who stirs me to pray? Who orchestrates my prayer life? The Holy Spirit. Because we learn from Romans chapter 8 that we have a weakness as Christians. We don't know how to pray for what we ought to pray. Oh, you might think you know, but the Holy Spirit knows. You might think you know the issue in your life, but he always deals with the core, never deals with the symptoms. He knows what you're going to face a month from now. He's already in your month from now, right now, right? So he knows, and we need him to stir us. This is why we have to know how to walk with him. We have to know his voice. Because really, what is success in life? Right? Are you doing what I've called you to do, God says. I remember when I was in a basketball league. You've heard me tell this story. I was in a basketball league in Newport Beach with a bunch of stockbrokers when I lived in California. And all these guys were so happy. I was a national sales manager for this company. And uh, it would have been the dream job in the natural, but I was miserable. Well, of course, because I was called into the ministry. But I was too full of fear and pride and worthlessness to even know that. And I remember going to the Lord and going, God, these guys are so happy. You know, I just, I want to be a success in life. And the Lord asked me, well, what is success? And that's when the Lord told me, it changed my life forever. He said, success is are you doing what I've called you to do? Because see, he made your path for you. Sometimes you can't see anything because of the world will beat you up. But oh, when you get your eyes back on Jesus, the light comes up and everything starts getting clear. And everything, all of heaven gets behind you to get out of your life everything that's not of him and get you in the right place to where the blessing of the Lord can overtake you. It's the way we walk. So praying always with all manner of prayer and supplication stirred or directed by the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So... We see from this scripture, I pray all, effective prayer, I'm praying all manner of prayer and supplication, how stirred by the Spirit of God. He orchestrates it. Isn't that awesome? It's a oneness with Him. This is why you should expect every, every one of your prayers to be answered, right? Doesn't the word say that we're going to talk about it tonight? If you know he hears you, you already know you have the answer. And we learn from scripture, it's not the religious, sometimes God says yes and sometimes God says no. When that's preached from pulpits, there's never any scriptures that are quoted because there aren't any. But there is a great scripture that says all the promises of God are yes in him and amen in him. Right? So surrendering to the Holy Spirit's leading enables you 
to develop an effective prayer life. So don't, don't try to figure it out. Submit to the Holy Spirit's leading, and it'll all fall into place for you. Okay, so that's everything. Praying effectively is what? It's praying according to the Word of God, stirred by the Spirit of God. That's, it'll always get back to the Word. Why? Because he only hears prayers that are prayed according to his will. Well, what is his will? His will is his word. And it'll never change. Right? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's always good. Effective prayer, in other words, always gets results. Isn't that good news? Man, if you could find it in the word, it's yours. Not going to be, it already is. Wow. And Jesus right now is seated at the right hand of his Father, watching over his word to perform it in people's lives. Well, how does he see the word? Because it's in your heart coming out of your mouth. When it's in abundance in your heart, it will come out of your mouth. See, if you, if you have the word and it's not coming out of your mouth, the word Although it's a lamp to your feet and a light to your path, if it's not coming out of your mouth, the light's off. So you have to speak the word of God. So you could say effective praying is praying in line and in accordance with the word of God. So asking God to heal you if it be his will, well, that's, he already said that it's his will. So we have to we don't ask God to heal me like, like what we think ask. Oh, Father, will you please heal me? It never once in the Bible does it say that word ask, and we're going to get into it. It means the word ask in the New Testament, when it talks about these things, literally means to call for, to require, and to make a demand for. Father, I have symptoms in my body. I call them lying symptoms. They have no legal right in my body, and I'm coming. I require my healing. I'm calling for it. I'm making a demand for my healing. And right now, your word says, you redeemed me from the curse of sickness and disease. You sent your word and healed me. Jesus himself bore my sickness and carried my pain. So right now, I just believe that I receive my healing. And I thank you for it, Father. And then I leave that place and I just thank God that I'm healed. I don't walk around saying I'm not sick. I walk around saying I'm healed. And what happens? Well, as soon as I believe I receive, that healing power starts coming out of my spirit. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, Romans 8, 11, is now quickening, it's restoring, it's healing, it's making whole my mortal body. So I keep the switch of faith turned on just by being thankful. Father, I thank you that I'm healed. Right? So this is how, that's the prayer of faith. So then we jump over, go over to James chapter 5. This is another foundational scripture in this, how do I develop and how do I pray effectively? Well, from Ephesians 6, we see what? I pray all manner of prayer, stirred by the Spirit. Now in James chapter 5, in verse 16, it starts out by saying, confess your faults, that, that word false in the Greek means your sins one to another, or in other words, sins that you have between another person. We don't come to church and we're going to have a confession service where everybody comes up here and confesses their sin. No, that's not what that's talking about. But if I do something to my wife, I go to her. 
hey, honey, I'm really sorry, I apologize, I, I shouldn't have said that, I shouldn't have done that. Confess my sins to her. That's all that's talking about. But at the end of this, it says, and pray for one another that you may be healed. But look at what it says about prayer. The effectual. That means, that Greek word means the effective. That Greek word also means the well-grounded on evidence. Well, what is our evidence? It's God's word. The effective, well-grounded on evidence. Isn't that a good, that's a good word, isn't it? Fervent prayer. That means heartfelt prayer. Of a righteous man avails much. So let's go a little deeper. The parenthetical uh, definitions in the Amplified really bring this out. It literally says this, and we've said this before. In the Amplified, the last half of that verse means the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. I love that. Praying this way, as you pray effectively, fervently, it's heartfelt, right? Well, it's well-grounded on evidence. I have evidence for what I'm praying about. I have two or three scriptures where God says he's already given this to me. It makes tremendous power available. And when I pray this way, it brings an incredible awareness of God's presence in my life all day, every day. I'm, I'm actively walking in his presence. I'm aware of it. I'm aware of his presence. I, I see him working in my life. You have to see this, otherwise you'll play church. And this isn't about playing church. We are the church. You're a person of great faith. You're a person of great love. You're a person who has the mighty Holy Spirit living inside of you. You're God's child. Your life is not defined by your mistakes. Your life is defined by what Jesus did and who you are in Christ. We must ask God always to bring revelation knowledge to us of principles of prayer, of the mechanics of prayer, how, it, how these principles work, but really at the foundation and also the spirit of prayer, the heart of prayer. This, these are three things that he's always going to teach you. He'll come to you and say, hey, this is the principle. This is the mechanics. This is how it works. And then he'll start showing you, and I did this for you because I love you so much. And you start to see the heart of it. Everything God's given you is by his grace. We couldn't earn any of it. He just, he just saw you and fell madly in love with you when you were separated from him and dead in your trespasses and sins. How much more now? Right? Prayer's not getting God to do something for you because he already did it. It's literally laying hold of what he's already done for you. Our prayers, if, if we're not careful, can lack the depth that's required. They could lack depth. Why? Because we're praying out of our head instead of praying out of our heart. I need money, so I'm just praying for money. 
They, they, they lack depth. The depth that's required, what do I mean? Well, faith is required to lay hold of things. So the, the Holy Spirit, he's going to call you spirit to spirit to walk with him so that now he's orchestrating your prayer. As you're delighting in the Lord, he'll bring desires up for you, for a home maybe or a car or something like that. But knowing that everything that he wants to put in your life is designed to yield your fruit in your season. It's awesome when you live like this. But if we, if we get in our head, if we mental assent to these things, we're going to start praying incorrectly. We're going to start praying in the natural. And it'll mess with our minds. We're no match for the enemy in the natural. Right? He's been doing this thing way too long. If he can get you looking away from the word and on natural things, he's got you because he just separated you from your faith. You can't lay hold of anything. If you, if you are praying out of your head, it'll cause you to pray out of line with God's will. You're over here praying about stuff when the Holy Spirit is directing you to be over here. Well, there, it's going to be real hard to be in faith over here if he's over here. Well, I know we're Americans, and we think everybody lines up with us, but God doesn't line up with us, right? We line up with him, amen? So now jump over to John 15, 7, another foundational scripture that is many times, see, we're, we're, we miss because we don't have the depth of understanding of these simple scriptures, John 15, 7, it's, it's foundation. This is like one of the two main foundational scriptures of prayer. It's the foundation of your whole prayer life. John 15, 7. Now, if you'll notice, when you see John 15, you're sitting here and you're looking at it going, wow, this was the last time that Jesus was with his disciples before he went to the cross. These are real important uh, things that Jesus is saying. But look at what he says. First thing he says is, if you abide in me, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. So it starts out with if, which means this is conditional. It's conditional. You have to meet the two conditions. And here's the first one that we all go off on. If you abide in me, if you don't get strong in the word, when you mess up, you're going to think, well, I'm not abiding in him. But what does it mean to abide in God? It literally defines it in Romans. It says that you and I are in Christ, if so be, the Spirit of Christ dwells in you. So when did the Holy Spirit start dwelling in you? At salvation, right? Do you know why the word, how, how long is he going to be there? Forever? Way beyond uh, our time here on this earth? Isn't that amazing? He's always going to dwell in you, so that means you're always in Christ. So guess what? If you're born again, you just met the first qualification. It's not, it's not dependent upon your behavior. 
It's dependent upon your nature. Isn't that good news? Because won't the enemy, has the enemy, has he just done this with me or has he ever done mess with you? When you mess up and you need to go to your father, and man, that little voice in your mind's going, yeah, whatever. You did this thing, eyes wide open. He's not listening. No, no, you've already met the first qualification. If you abide in me, I am. I'm a child of God. I'm always abiding in him. But here's the other one. And my words abide in you. Here's a little secret. If you don't have a revelation that you abide in him, guess what? You won't, you won't do what you need to do to get his word abiding in you. Because you'll think, well, I'm just, you know, a second-rate child. No, he doesn't have any. You're his favorite. He doesn't have any that are not his favorite. Right? You get a little picture of this because in the natural, certain personalities of people will mesh with you and other people don't mesh with you as much. Until you start yielding to the love of God in your heart and then all of a sudden, you just love people. You're able to be with all kinds of different people. Right? It's real interesting. Could you imagine God who is love? So here's the second one. And my words abide in you. That means the word of God is not to be, you're, you're not to be a hotel for the word of God. That you check in and then you check out. No, no, this is a house where you abide. His word abides in me. His word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against him. If you're not hiding the word in your heart, good luck with trying to overcome sin. Because guess what? You know what overcomes sin? Not you, not me, the word. Do you know what overcomes any weakness that you have in your life? And the number one reason why people do not finish their call do not fulfill the plan of God for their life. The number one reason in the Bible, Genesis to Maps, they didn't work on their weaknesses. Just go through every story, you could see it. The Lord told me years ago, he said, Tony, following my plan for your life will expose every weakness in you. And he said, if you'll give them all to me, I'll turn every one of them into strengths. Man. My flesh, I'm, I'm, my, my spirit's going, amen. My flesh is going, oh me. <laughs> right? Because you just finally think you're doing good. And then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit goes, okay, now we need to deal with this room that you've had locked for a while. Right? But after a while, you just, he's so gracious. But you get his word abiding in you because the word is what produces. It's the, always going to be the word. We make it, you've heard me say this a lot lately, we make it all about us, but it's really all about him. This is not religion where I'm trying to be good enough to be accepted by him. Nope, I'm already accepted because I'm his child. This is about relationship. So it says, if I abide in him, so I'm born again, and now his word is abiding in me, I will ask whatever I will. Why can I do that? Because guess what my will will be? His will. 
As a matter of fact, you can't see our wills now have become one. In other words, my will is his will. My desire, which that word means of the Father, is his desire. So now I'll ask whatever I will, and it shall, not may, but shall be done unto you. Isn't that good news? So if you want an effective prayer life, what do you have to work on? Walking in a revelation that you abide in him because you're born again. And then it's going to cause you to run to him and get his word abiding in you because now it's already done. Now you'll be like Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus. Father, I know you always hear me. Which means, Father, I always know that I have exactly what I've asked you for. So that means I expect... 100% of my prayers to be answered always. So when I get up from prayer, it's done. I have it. I believe I receive. Father, I thank you. I have it now. Yeah, but what about this, this report? Well, that's a preliminary report. I have the final report. And I believe his report so his presence and his power I will see it in my life. So God always answers prayers that are prayed according to his will. Right? You could say it to be a little bit more biblical. God always hears prayers that are prayed according to his will. Forget the answered part. Because we already have that. If he hears us, we already have it. Why? Because he's already prepared a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Everything you'll ever pray for. Isn't it amazing? It's impossible for you to pray the will of God for something that you don't already own. I mean, that's amazing. Oh, I could tell you, this light is going to go on in the church. And we're going to see things happen in this earth. And we're just going to be sitting here going, wow. And we'll be walking around going, you know, I struggled for years because it was all about me. Did I pray enough? Did I know enough? Did I do this enough? And I just realized, wait a minute, this is all about him. And I'll tell you, we'll start seeing ourselves right and we'll start praying effectively. Amen? Our prayer life should always be based and built upon God's word. That's why... You want to make sure that you surround yourself in your close circle of friends with people of like faith. Right? That's why you want to be planted where you need to be planted. Where you're hearing the word of God preached in the love of God, right? Under the anointing of God. We have, that's, that's our environment. We have to have that. If I ever stop preaching the word, if I ever stop preaching the word out of the anointing, not under the anointing, not in love, you need to go. Pray for me so that I could go. Right? But no, I'll never do that. I, you know, I've already made all those mistakes. Man, I'll tell you, this is too good. We must always pray in faith, which means we must always pray expecting the results of our prayer. 
So we're at the end of John. Go to John chapter 16. Let's look at the other foundation. These two things are the foundation. They make up the foundation of your prayer life. This would be John 16. We're going to look at verse 23 and 24. Is this helping you a little bit tonight? Just we're getting in, just getting into this. John 16, 23 says this. And in that day, you shall ask me nothing. I bet Jesus was happy about that. Thank God. Father, I just thank you. Because, man, these guys, they just have all these questions. Question after question after question. Right? Sometimes Jesus would be like, how long do I have to be with you people? But in that day, in what day? The day after the resurrection. In our day, the church age. In that day, you shall ask. Now, this word ask in the Greek, it literally means to question. It doesn't mean to call for, require, or make a demand for. It means to question. In that day, you'll ask me nothing. In the literal rendering of the Greek, it means, in, and in that, in, I'm sorry, let me say this right. And in that day, you shall ask me no more questions. Okay? So we don't have to ask Jesus questions. He says this, though, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask, here we go again, it's the word, it's a different word, ask, whatsoever you shall call for, whatsoever you shall require, whatsoever you shall make a demand for, right? That's what this word ask means. Whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Wow. Now this rocked their world when they said, Whatever, whatsoever you shall ask the Father. Because see, in, when Jesus spoke this, these people, they, they knew they didn't call God their Father. He's Jehovah. I can't know him personally. But Jesus says in that day, now he's my Father. I, I know him personally. Isn't that good news? It says, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto, verse 24, that means up till now, you have asked nothing in my name. Hitherto you have not called for, required, or made a demand for anything in my name. And then what does he say? Ask, call for, require, make a demand for. Ask, and you shall receive. Why? So that your joy can be full. We just see in this scripture, we see why there's so many Christians that are so sad. Because for your joy to be full, you have to have, you have, to have answers manifesting in your life all the time. And that's what God wants for you. See, why... Man, I, I just I saw an article. It's amazing what's happened in the last decade. I, I might read it to you guys sometime on how, how atheism is growing, agnostics are growing, Christians are, are shrinking, people, Christians that go to church, it's going way down, giving's down, everything. Why? Well, there's, people don't see any purpose. 
right? But those days are over. Those days are over. I'm, I got to tell you, this is, this is a key. God wants you full of joy. He wants you walking in answers. Instead of just trying to, you know, it's hard. People try to be in a church that preaches faith, but nothing's working for them. And after a while, they just got to say, well, God told me, and then leave. And they retreat. Well, God doesn't want you to retreat. No, he wants you to lay hold. Everything in your heart, he wants you to, he wants you to walk it out. I don't care if the condition has been there many, many years. I don't care if this has been going on for decades. It's got to change. Because God said it. Right? Guys, we, not, we don't, we, it's not that we will win. We already have won. So this is why our joy needs to be full. Answered prayer brings joy into your life. So remember this, prayer is always a faith proposition. Now, not all prayer is the prayer of faith, but all prayer should be prayed in faith, right? So this is why we feed. Where does faith begin? Where the will of God is known. In other words, we look to the word of God to know the will of God. We don't look to circumstances or history or what, you know, bishop so and so or pastor so and so said doesn't no no, it's it is written. It's red letters. Right? Did did Jesus say this? Did the word say this? If he did, if God said it, it's mine. Right? He gave it to me. This is huge. So in other words, we have two the, the two things that make up your foundation of your effective prayer life is you abide in him and you allow his word to abide in you. And then what do you do from there? You ask the Father in Jesus' name. Effective prayer. What does it mean to ask the Father? It means I call for. I make a demand for. Father, I need my finances. Do you know they're already yours? How do we know that? Well, Psalm 23, he prepared. The word prepared means he went before and set everything up ahead of time. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. As you walk with God, you'll never, ever be able to come up with an original prayer thought and pray it. Because the Holy Spirit will stir you to pray what he's already given you. I remember when the Lord told me that. He said, Tony... I didn't create man to have original thought. And I'm like, so what, are we just robots? No, you and I are created. We're created to be at one with him. That's how we're created. That's how you see, you see it in the Trinity. You have God the Father, he comes up with the plan. Jesus carries out the plan, and then the Holy Spirit reveals the plan. They work together. It's always together. You're not created to figure out or overcome something on your own. That's your flesh. That's that sin nature. We see it all the way in heaven with the, with the cherub, right? 
the, the, the anointed cherub Lucifer. He comes up, he thinks this initial thought, original thought, I will ascend above the, right? I will do this, and I will do that, and I, 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 I. No, there's no I with us. The Bible says that when Jesus prayed, he says, oh, Father, that they would be one even as we're one. Right? I and you, you and me, us and them, them and us. I mean, we're one. It's awesome. These two foundations, it's real interesting. I abide in him, his word abides in me, and then I ask the Father, I call for, I make a demand for, I require of the Father in Jesus' name. Do you know this is also the foundation of an, in, of an intimate relationship with God? It's how you walk intimately with him. He abides in you, you abide in him, and you commune with him. So how you have an effective prayer life is exactly how you know him intimately. I love that. Always realize prayer, it's a family matter. We're in the family business. What is our business? It's about expanding the kingdom of God to cover this whole earth. It's about yielding all of our fruit in our season. We have been given rights and privileges in Christ. So we know now, effective prayer is not trying to get God to do something. Your prayer, it, it's not moving him to do something for you. He's already done it for you. Prayer is our right as his children to bear prayer fruit in our lives, which will always glorify God. That's what it is. Let me say that again. Prayer is our right as God's children to bear to bear prayer fruit, all the fruit of our prayers. Every answered and manifested prayer in our life glorifies him. Isn't that awesome? Everything we do, it speaks of him, not us. Oh, I've been part of this word of faith thing for years. And you know, you see some of the word of faith people, man, they got the, now I'm telling on myself, they got the German Bible cover, you know, 900 series on faith. And they, they just... They're coming to hear another nugget from the Word of God. And they know, because they're so in tune with the Spirit of God, they know exactly what the pastor should do and what the church should do and actually what the whole body of Christ should do. Now, they've never actually led anybody to Christ or they're not really living. There's no fruit in their life, but they look good. They have fishes on their car with Jesus in them. And then, you know, when they, because they're a little fleshy and they pull a taxi driver halfway out of a window in anger, they feel guilty afterwards and they have to, they let him go and they have to go home and take the fish off their car. And, you know, 30 years later, 40 years now, it's actually about 40 years later, they don't have a fish on their car. They just put 3 John 2. Because that way, Nobody really knows what 3 John 2 is. So it's cool. So then they ask you, 
and then you can witness to them. But if you ever do something wrong, it's not, you know, you don't have a big fish on the back of your car. Have you ever noticed that fish on those business cards? It could be a great white shark sometimes if they're carnal, right? No, I'm just, I'm just being funny. But you know what I'm saying. Prayer is intimate. It's we're praying the word of God. Why? Because I'm abiding in him and his words abiding in me. And now I'm going to my father who I have intimate fellowship and relationship with. And I'm saying, Father, I, I need my healing today. I need this money today because I'm facing this. And you know, I, you, you, I've been delighting in you and now you've stirred me to give $50,000 to this ministry and I'm, I'm still growing in this area and I'm living paycheck to paycheck. So, so you know what? Uh, I, I need, I need, I'm requiring $50,000 that I, don't, I, I can't make so that I could sow it over here. And then, oh, is my joy full when out of the blue comes $50,000 or out of the blue comes 20 bucks. It's no different. It's wherever you are. You know, when you get blessed with anything, thank the person, but realize that came from him. And that's a, that's a testimony that God's eyes are upon you, right? So this is how we walk. This is how we live. This is how we breathe. So then jump over to John. You're in John, verse 24 right now. Go back to verse 13. John 16, 13. We have to talk about this Holy Spirit orchestrating things. See, what do I pray for? What do I study? Do you know I never study what I want to study? There's no life in that. Now I got to hear from him. Because man, I could spend... I could spend an hour studying what he wants me to study and I could, I could get a month's full of revelation or I could spend 40 hours studying what I want to study with no revelation. Boy, how dull is that? You know, we've all seen those times, haven't we, in our Bible? You know where they are, right? You, you think, oh my gosh, did my grandson get in my Bible? Because there's just saliva. There's like a mark because you fell asleep. Because it's boring. But when it's fresh, you're awake. Right? And then sometimes when you're nodding off, God will just go, hey, why don't you just go to bed? We'll talk about this tomorrow. You need some rest. John 16, 13, look at this. It says, how be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, talking about the mighty Holy Spirit who's now been here for 2,000 years, he will guide you into all truth. What is truth? Well, one chapter later, John 17, what does he say? Thy word is truth in verse 7, right? So the Holy Spirit is going to guide me into all the word. So when I, when, I, when I don't know how to pray, he'll bring scriptures which will reveal what to do. It'll be a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We think of that only in major decisions in life. Guys, a major part of what he leads you in is how to pray. He'll stir you to pray for things. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. What? You mean the Holy Spirit of God does not have original thought? He speaks what he hears. 
Yes. So what should we be speaking? What we hear. Not on the outside. No, no, on the inside, that still small voice. I love that. He shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Now he's kind of telling us how he's going to talk to us. He's going to show you things. Have you noticed when God talks to you, it's not in words. He'll show you things. It's this unction, this inner knowing. I love it. I love the way he leads us. One way the Holy Spirit leads us is to impress us. He impresses our spirit, man, how to pray, what to pray, when to pray, all of these things. God wants us to incorporate our prayer life into our everyday life. You could pray without ceasing, in other words. You flow with him. So let's look at another scripture that talks about the Holy Spirit orchestrating. Go back to Romans chapter 8. We'll look at verse 14. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Hallelujah. We're coming down the slope for tonight. Hang with me for a couple more minutes. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Now this word sons of God means the mature coming of age sons of God. In other words, the mature coming of age sons of God will be led by the Spirit of God. So this is why you need to put God first. Well, I just don't, I just feel like he's not leading me. Well, then, then start feeding on him. Start giving him first place. And you'll see, you'll grow and you'll get in the right spot. And then you'll see, oh my gosh, the Holy Spirit talks more than my pastor. Right? He's always talking to me. It says here in verse 16, now he's going to tell us how he does it. The Spirit, it's, it says itself, it's the Greek word autos, the Spirit himself, he's not an it, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. In other words, he always is bearing witness with our spirit. He doesn't talk to our minds, he talks to our spirit. Likewise, which in the Greek that means in the same manner, the Spirit also, now this is verse, oh, jump down to verse 26 just to save time. Verse 26, likewise, or in the same manner, the Spirit also helps. This word helps means he takes hold together with us against what we are facing. In other words, as a believer, the Holy Spirit doesn't do anything for you. He does everything with you. He'll take hold together with you against what you're facing. He helps our infirmities. This Greek word means our weaknesses. He helps us with our weaknesses. What is our weakness? What are all of our weaknesses? We don't, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. That is all of our weaknesses. That's, there's no other weaknesses listed for a New Testament believer. So that's, that's our weakness. Oh, it might manifest in other ways, but this, at the end of the day, is a foundation. So he helps us with these weaknesses. And how does he do that? 
But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings. This, this Greek word means divine utterance. It's talking about tongues which cannot be uttered. So if you'll notice an aerial view of what we just read, verses 14 and 16, the word talks about the Holy Spirit leading us before, in verse 26, he talks about prayer. We have, if you leave here with nothing else, get excited about, I'm going to have an effective prayer life because the Holy Spirit is going to orchestrate it and he's going to teach me how to walk with him and how to flow with him. One way the Holy Spirit leads us, he impresses us to pray. So what do we do? We pray until we get this lightness in our spirit and we break through that. You'll always know he'll teach you all of these things. See, in verse 26, it says many, many times in prayer, you'll need the Holy Spirit to reveal something to you to know how to pray effectively. Especially for others. Because you may think, see, we all have a PhD level in what everybody else should do. But in reality, we really don't know. We might see some things, but we don't know the order. But the Holy Spirit, man, I'm telling you, this is why the baptism of the Holy Spirit is so important. Anytime I want, I could pray in my prayer language, and I am literally praying. The Holy Spirit is giving my spirit utterance in an unknown tongue. I'm praying out the perfect will of God. So if I don't know how to pray for Rob in an area, I start praying in the Spirit. And I know this, I'm praying the perfect will of God for him. Just exactly what he needs. Or exactly what we need, right? This is huge. The answer to prayer sometimes is dependent upon supernatural information from the Holy Spirit. It's huge. So anyway, we'll get into some more things. But I hope this gives you a little bit of a foundation tonight. It's always the Word has to abide in you. You abide in the Word. You ask in the name of Jesus. You pray all manner of prayer and supplication as you're stirred by the Holy Spirit. Right? That's, so you're praying the Word of God as the Holy Spirit directs you. Summing it all up. Amen?